five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything that you need to know about the Vancouver Titans. This is Chris at Lightforce, that sultry voice that whispers sweet Overwatch nothings into your ears each and every week. I am joined virtually by Omni and Sam. You can find them at Omni Strife and at another Sam Chan on the Twitters. Gentlemen, what's new and exciting? Well... Runaway now is not OWL level. As fanboy triggering as that sounds, people love them for their underdog streak and their vibrant brand or personality, but expecting them to get picked up is very unrealistic. Hmm. Did you copy pasta that from somewhere? Slash clip. (laughs) Of course not. Uh, And if you don't know the reference there, uh, Google Wolf of Villainy and Runaway, and you'll be able to learn the entire backstory or... Join the official Titans Discord, where they actually have, I think, a command to bring that (laughs) entire copy pasta up. But we are back after a week. The Titans had two matches. They went two and oh. We'll get into it when we dive into the payload. But uh, we had the uh, unofficial viewing parties. Those were hopping. We had uh, all sorts of action. We've got like hashtag wars now because of what we've seen. We've had uh, we've got Titans. Titans players, quote unquote, throwing. Again, we'll get into that in the payload. Lots of stuff. We've got the Shanghai Dragons. I'm going to break the the surprise right now. The Shanghai Dragons, guys, they got to win. Told y'all. They got to win. Anyhow, we'll talk about that. Uh, There is a patch on the PTR. There's a new hero on the PTR. Like, it was a quick turnover. I got that, too. And the other thing that I just want to quickly share, because, again, at the start of every episode, I know you guys are all tuning in is that uh, this podcast is up for a uh, contest where you can help us get some sweet podcasting gear um, to help us by giving us a vote. All we ask you to do is give us a vote. Just click the vote button is to go to our Twitter account, twitter.com slash ready, set, pwn. Pinned at the top of our timeline is a link that you can click to go to my roadcast and view our entry where you can give us the vote and to reward you for that vote. We actually recorded a very special two-minute podcast episode where we talk about Bumper and his confidence, which I think still remains relevant after this weekend. (laughs) Please vote, yeah. But uh, yes, if you can toss us some love, that's great. Uh, We're going to get into the reviews that we got. You have been reviewing us. You may be loving us. You don't know you have to stick around to hear if we're going to read your review verbatim, but heck, you already know the secret's out. We will, but there is a lot to jump in, so let's get straight to the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. Okay, gentlemen. Oh, whack the mic. Sorry about that. I'm breaking people's eardrums, but that's because I am so excited. The Vancouver Titans win 3-2 over the charge on Saturday. Um, I would like to argue that it was never in doubt 
but I would be a liar. <laughs> um, I, I was at the unofficial viewing party. Omni, you were there. Uh, uh, Michael, who's a staff member here in our uh, RSP Discord, he was there. There was a lot of people. I'd say about 40 of us there. And, and when the Titans won, I mean, we blew the roof off of the Railway Club. And if you weren't there, you missed out. But looking back at that match, um, I'm pretty sure if I were to go and ask you, Omni, if there was one one thing that really got you fired up, that I bet I know what it would be. Uh, there was a particular play. I think it was Ilias Well when uh, a certain diva player, Janu, I believe. He... Is, is his name Janu? I think so. I think we'll kind so. Of talk about him. Are you sure he's on the team? Is it? Janus, Janu, yeah, there, there's there's a diva player, and he went for a certain play that wasn't that like important to the match itself, but it was oh, flashy. No. It was flashy. He pressed Q. I mean, that's as most divas do. They press Q. Yeah, easy. That's what I do, I could I could press Q. But uh, yeah, that Janu bomb that got them the win on Ilias Well was unbelievable. Now we got to give some credit to our boy Slime. Uh, for those who uh, were watching live, you probably got caught up into the fact that Janu tossed his Diva alt and uh, essentially won that match. I mean, I, I don't think, and we'll get into this in a quick moment, that the Titans actually win if that oh, doesn't God. happen. But Slime, wall road over there is Lucio, tossed a little boop action down, spread them <laughs> apart, uh, so that the uh, the Zen alt was no longer in play. And uh, I think it was, was it a, a 3K, a 4K? What was that one? A 4K. No, it was a yeah. 4K because it's confusing because we're going to talk a little bit more about Janu as we get into the shock match. But the other thing about that one uh, is, and let's maybe rewind a little bit. Should it have gone to Ilios? Uh, I think it, I think it was a tough game. Everybody kind of underestimates, uh, Team Jeezy or Guangzhou. Even now, they were really, really surprisingly good. They played hard. Uh, we found a bit trouble against their, uh, Sombra. Either it was Eileen on the Sombra, uh, Sombra or, or, uh, or, um, who else plays Sombra there? Hadba. It was tough. It was a hard fought battle. Props to them. Uh, it came down to the wire for sure. Yeah, I think before the match, I said, "Look out for Happy," and I didn't mean that. It wasn't it wasn't like. A oh my reference. god, he just what a terror! What a that terror! Was a to welcome to the him. league. I mean, yeah. I mean, even before the match, I think it was uh, who was that guy? Taimu. Taimu was fanboying <laughs> over Happy's play, um, and this was before the match. And and I think, I think, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that the Chengdu Hunters beat them. To be completely honest. Um, I've watched a couple of Chengdu games now and I haven't been entirely impressed, but, but between happy Eileen Hotba, man, that's what about Shu? Holy oh, hell. That guy is so good on the Anna. I forgot. About insanely Shu. good. Insanely good. Also from first game, uh, again, I, I'm not trying to criticize our boy stitch who I love so much. But I feel like putting him on Azaria first was a bad call. It's kind of like similar to what uh, Dallas has in effect, who's a much better player probably uh, technically than uh, AKM is on Azaria. But like that, we have Sominsu who's better on the Zarya than Stitches. Perhaps he's a better DPS in other roles, but having Sominsu on the Zarya turns up like greater results for our team. Well, and, and you, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sam. No, and that's what's been happening ever since, right? That's the last time we saw Stitch. Yeah. Well, and. You know, on that point, 
the Vancouver Titans uh, are phoning us right now because they they tune in live. They got like special it's access. Stitch calling. Yeah, Stitch is calling. <laughs> Sam, take that back. We still love you, Stitch. <laughs> but uh, the Guangzhou Charge actually beat the Titans in the first map on Nepal. Now, as we know, um, the ti- that's the that map style is not maybe as conducive to the Titans play style. Uh, they had Stitch in, which seemed like an odd pick to start. And I we had sort of chatted about it on you and I, and we had thought that it was possible that the Titans had Stitch in, thinking the charge would play a more robust DPS lineup because mm-hmm. we have seen that from them. That wasn't the case. And unfortunately they go down, you know, two nil people are like, Oh, groaning. Then comes Hollywood North, which I think is what the map's now called. <laughs> and the Titans just completely utterly destroyed the charge there. All they needed was the one tick to win. And there's, then yeah, there's only one point on Hollywood. That's point a, yeah, in Hollywood North, in in the actual Hollywood we all get to play. There's there's actually a few points, but Hollywood North, it's just one. And then uh, the Titans were up three two, uh, Volsky, which I think was a back and f- more back and forth. I mean, again, Titans still sort of exerted some authority there. Where my problem exists was what we saw on Route sixty six. Now the Titans had held the charge. Uh, to essentially the start of the the third escort and had them into OT, but they got maybe too aggressive. You had, you had bumper trying to go for like two trick alts. He got one of them where he's hiding in the door and dropped his bumper slam, but then he got a little aggressive and tried to do it again. And the charge were able to successfully push that payload from the door to the finish completely in OT and there was nothing that the Titans could do to stop them. And then that map goes to OT and the Titans totally forgot it was an escort map. They kept leaving the payload, which drove me nuts. Even the commentators forgot who they were, like said, who's pushing the payload? Started screaming. Yeah. (laughs) I, I sort of ask you guys this, are we starting to see that confidence and that sort of aggressive goats play that they have maybe start to, to get them into trouble? I mean, it's one thing that this took place against the charge. It's another thing. If this takes place against, let's say uh, the Paris eternal who we've seen can play goats pretty well. So I think I've mentioned a couple of times now, even, even since the season started that this team will go as far as bumper takes them. And, and I'll say it on the record now, there will be a time when bumpers aggression loses us a game. Um, you can well, put me on t- the record for that. We're going to talk about Sunday. We're, but that being said, I think you, you really have to live and die with the aggression that, that the Titans are. This is, this is the style of play that they do. And it's not perfect. No, st- no play style is, but you ha- you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And, and luckily so far, there haven't been bad days, just bad moments. And all of them have been on Route 66 for some weird reason. To add to that, I think there was a difference in preparation for both teams. Uh, I assume a lot of people said, like in season one, that you tend to prepare more for if you have multiple games in your week, you tend to prepare for the like harder opponent, and usually that kind of puts you in a uh, disadvantage. There, they also had our number in some occurrence. I, I forgot. I think it was Route 66 where they kind of baited us into playing a weird comp, and we falsely assumed that they would go. DPS and then they kind of rolled out with the classical goats and we had to kind of run back and switch. So they kind of had our number and and confused us. 
I think that was on Ilios. Ilios, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the first map on Ilios. Correct. Uh, the Titans essentially came out thinking there'd be DPS, saw there wasn't, and after noticing that, because they the Titans didn't have any recon, they as a group retreated to change back up, conceding that point to the charge. Yeah. When when it went to Ilios, I actually was of the uh, opinion this is not going to end well. And then when we saw that sort of that faint take place, you know, in, in my mind, the Titans were, were, were done for, but then we, we look on, uh, and that was lighthouse. We look at ruins. They actually did really well on ruins. That's when the, the charge went with a more of a, a DPS uh, structure. But then when we go to, well, for whatever reason, the Titans decided, oh, they're going to go on DPS on well, so we're going to do it too. And uh, was it uh, was it someone so that was uh, McCree? Oh, McCree, yeah, yeah, and, and Operando Orissa. yeah. And instead of going back at this point, they thankfully accepted <laughs> that we're going to have to roll with this comp. And it what they got they they held the point, but when they got knocked off, there was some concern that they won't be able to get it back. And I, I'm not going to lie. If that Janu, as I call it, Janu bomb, we're going to talk about the other hashtag in a moment. If that Janu bomb doesn't happen, I, I think the Titans lose. I actually don't think they, they are able to win game five and that would have been their first loss. But thankfully Janu bomb goes off. Titans get the, the cap over time and you know, runs out. Uh, we're all celebrating the Titans, you, you could almost see the their celebration. It was like a complete, you know, uh, amount of relief. At, oh my goodness, we pulled this off. Thank goodness. Our mistakes <laughs> didn't come back to bite us. Right. And unlike a lot of people said, oh, maybe the Titans are not that good. We saw many, many teams, probably excluding NYXL, that lost to teams that on paper are better than them. So it just props again to Team Guangzhou for that better preparation. And it was kind of a leap of faith there when the Titans kept the McCree in. And, and thankfully that kind of paid off and we got the W, but it could go the other way for sure. And it does feel like, like when, as you guys are kind of revisiting this Ilios game, it does feel like it was like months or years ago, right? So <laughs> I actually, shout out to Fiandor who who writes on our blog. Um, she, he, she, I'm not actually sure. Um, they have post, we have post game um, write-ups of all the all the games so you know basically i don't have to watch the games anymore i can just fake it on this podcast just reading the recaps yeah, but definitely go check it out if you haven't already yeah mm-hmm. fiandor's doing sam's job maybe we basically. gotta get fiandor on the podcast i'm basically instead. audio fiandor right yeah yes except i think the real fiandor wouldn't you know lose us that 16 spot in the korean itunes uh, oh, you're gonna to have sam. to get over that Oh, it's I'm, I'm that's going to be brought up every second episode until this podcast is no more let me type oh, plus uh text to voice technology has come a long way so we can that's look true. into that that's true we can look at bringing alexa in <laughs> oh, As, crap, i actually did activate my alexa <laughs> thankfully you didn't activate mine because i got my headphones on but let's talk a little bit about sunday now the titans played what would be equated owl as a back-to-back played on saturday played on sunday and uh omni you had sort of already inferred that this took place but it sounds like the titans may have prepared for the shock and not to suggest they overlooked the charge but i think most people were looking at the san francisco shock as being the tougher of the two uh, competitors now whether or not preparation is what made this occur the titans won three to one 
But to me, that scoreline does not accurately represent how hard fought two of those three points were. Mm -hmm. Now, we saw the Titans come out in Busan, uh, cap a point. The Shock actually, in, in, in the first map, I actually thought almost... It's almost like they gave up. Like they had a really odd comp. Um, and even though they were able to take the point at one, uh, at one stage, the Titans took it back. And then the Shock didn't really adjust their game uh, to, to compete. Um, ultimately, uh, we saw then the Titans um, win on, uh, was it Mech Base? Mm-hmm. The map, though, that had me like just short circuiting, <laughs> okay, <laughs> was King's Row. <sighs> Like, I I still don't understand how the Titans won King's Row. My palms getting sweaty just by remembering this map. (laughs) It was insane, insane. Let me tell you, everybody was hailing this game as this is going to be the game of the week. And they were right. Like, San Francisco is a scary team. I think that's the first time we see, like, uh, two of probably the best rated teams going up against each other. And that game did not disappoint. You don't count the Dallas field versus soul dynasty. Well, that's another tier. (laughs) (laughs) That's way over. That's, uh... but but yeah, like I, I think one of the weird things about how the shock started the game and into Kings row is it, it feels like a little bit like they, they got a couple of new additions to the team. Right. It was Violet's, Violet's first game too, right? Yeah, it was Violet's Back first game. Suspension. And it felt like they're like, ooh, we got all these shiny new toys and all these new skill sets. Like, we got to try them all. And and like they, who was it that they started in the first first map? It was Striker and I can't remember who else came in. But then but then Super and Sinatra came in for the King's role. And that, that architect world are different, right? That I architect think, was architect, in as yeah. well. Yeah. It was it was a weird comp in the first one, and and it's really weird because because there, there's really a tale of of two stories that goes on in in what I'm noticing is now a little bit of trend for the Titans, um and and for those of you guys that don't have the all access pass, you guys really should consider getting it because because here's the thing the cameras try and follow where the game action is, and and I feel that there's a little bit of this rope a dope uh, strategy I mentioned on Discord when it was live. Where, where you know they'll the cameras will stick on bumper chasing chasing the widow or chasing whatever when the rest of the team is just capping point after point after point mm-hmm. and 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 it, it and it's funny because obviously it draws the cameras attentions away but I think it also does draw the the opposing team's attention away and we noticed that like a couple of times during during a couple of the different matches um, where it's like they get, and and I noticed this is a little bit of a trend. Like the other team generally has more damage. I haven't done the full research on this, so don't you know? Don't air quote me. Um, but the team seems to have more damage, and they might even have more limbs. But Titans right. always get the point. Titans yeah. always get. Yeah, they always get. Right. Sinatra had more uh, damage than Somensu in that game. You're right. Yeah, but you, I wouldn't say that Somensu had a worse game than Sinatra for sure. No, no. The the thing that surprised me, at least with King's Row, was how easily the Shock were able to go and exert their authority on attack. Like, obviously, we don't have a significant sample size in Owl when the Titans are on defend. But let's compare King's Row to what we saw the previous day on Hollywood North. Again, that's its new official name. And those that style of map capture and escort seems to work really well for the Titans, but the shock just came in, rolled them. And while the Titans could start, could rally and hold 
they kept losing the alt economy. And when the shock got to the end, it was just magical that they were able to go and, and actually exhaust as much of the time bank as they did. Cause the shock had a significant time bank going into the, the finish. Um, we then see the Titans go on attack and correct me if I'm wrong. They spawn camped us. Well, the, the, well, yeah, after, after <laughs> capping point a, but if I recall, the Titans pretty much had to go in OT mm-hmm. to get every single point. Now, to the to what you suggested, Sam, that might be the the rope a dope effect where they're able to go and throw the attention of the opposition enough to be able to get those caps because it's not this ain't Call of Duty, so those kills mean nothing if if you're not stopping a payload or stopping the objective. But when that went into OT, the fact that not only the shock were able to cap, but they were just pushing that payload pretty much to the third point. Well, not third point, but to the, you know, end of the second, I, I actually had commented at the, the watch party to those I was sitting with. I'm like, well, this is, this is the shocks match. Like there's, I didn't expect sure. the Titans to not only be able to win. Cause again, that payload was pretty much all the way to the end of the second uh, point, but uh, the Titans had shown they couldn't actually do what the shock were doing to them. And yet, mm-hmm. Praise be to Bumper and praise be to Janu. The the Janu bomb or Januk that we saw again. The new hashtag is Januk. I'm not a big fan. I don't like Janu bomb. And and Bumper were able to get. I think that one was the three K, wasn't it? And there was. Uh, I think there was honestly so many. I yeah, I, it's, well, you know, <laughs> what, we haven't bro? even gotten to Volskaya yet, where there was another one. Yeah. Before I, we talk about that particular play, there was another. Super clutch play where I where I totally believe that oh yeah we lost this game where, where Janu is so clutch so many times during this game he eats an Ana nade it was directed to the entire team mm-hmm. and he eats that nade and he kills the Ana which allowed us to finally push that through the the point uh, incredible clutch uh, factor for this team insanely yeah. like I don't know is it luck is it just something additional they have runaway has this history of causing heart attacks even before overwatch league <laughs> yeah. so recurring I, I think to that point though i think we've talked about this in previous episodes but janu is almost the perfect complement to bumper where where bumper makes these big play janu makes big play but does them differently and i, I don't know if that makes sense but like, cause again, you know, Janu presses Q gets a 4k and we're all blowing our minds, <laughs> but that's, that's not the stuff that gets him the, you know, man of the match or player of the match or whatever it is. I can't remember what they call it in overwatch right now, but he gets, I think they gave to bumper anyway. Yeah. Which, all <laughs> praise be to bumper, but bumper doesn't win them. Ultimately. I mean, that, that was Janu. Yeah, Janu won. Play of the match, but like bumper got player of the game. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Well, let's. Okay, you know what? Here's a segue. Let's talk about Volskaya. <laughs> so, Volskaya <laughs> comes around, and again, not maybe the style of map that is conducive to Titans succeeding. They've done well, but again, they're not. It's not Hollywood North, and they successfully hold the shock to just uh, capping point A. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Everyone seems to cap point A on Volskaya. The thing about this, though, is that the Titans had to get the two cap first. And when the shock 
were on attack, they should not have gotten a point because the Titans had held their own. But then Bumper, you know, being Bumper, he's, he sees that, you know, he's got his ult. He wants to smash that cue like the next person. Decides he's going to go and hang out in a doorway to get a sneaky alt. And uh, who was it that walked in on him? Zarya, I think. Zarya, Brig. Zarya, yeah, I, think. yeah I, I can't remember who it was that uh, that walked in on him. But he gets found out and he dies. And at that point... The Shock now have an advantage. They've taken down a tank. They've got the 6v5. They've just spawned. They have good alt economy. Uh, but thankfully, we saw, like, someone so just went ham. Right. And they were able to hold that, hold off that attack. Bumper gets back to the point, and there's essentially one more push from the Shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, however, a Mini Diva running around. Now, hey, I'm a Reinhardt. I see a Mini Diva, and <laughs> the first word I think of is Squish. So what is the best way for a Reinhardt to squish a mini diva? Well, hit that shift button. You got it. You go and you charge her square into the wall. But, you know, Bumper, it's, you know, it, what's so weird about this is it's, you could see as he charged, she's like, should I go to that post? Should I go to that post? Should I? Oh, damn. And he charged square off the back of Volskaya. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I think it was Achilles. That's like, oh no! <laughs> like it was, it was like, what the heck just happened? Sure enough, shot come in. They capped that point, and then on on uh, point B, again, we saw Bumper doing some crazy stuff. Like, and I still can't figure it out. I've watched the replay. Um, what happened to that charge? He went and charged. He got the was diva. Was it Sinatra? Who was it that he charged? Nevix. Nevix. And and he did like the drift, like somehow the hard right, like a ninety degree turn. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I still it, don't get it. Yeah, it had one of those weird effects when you kind of like slowly slipper down the the map when you when you know you cannot return. It was kind of sad, but <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, you know um. You guys have all been to the arcade, right? We're all, we're all old enough to have have spent time in an arcade. And there's certain games like racing games or whatever that you know you put your quarter in and you get three minutes of play time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to make the most out of your three minutes. And of course, if you like beat certain levels, you could extend that time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I really think that Bumper just was having a blast of a time. He wanted to extend his time after watching the Defiant play for what felt like eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was getting his 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 money's worth. And sometimes you throw a point. Um, I wouldn't say that he was throwing completely, but I think he was definitely having a good time. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah. I guess the equivalent for the arcade is like when you were playing Street Fighter or what have you, and you were, you won the first match. It was exactly. practice. You threw the second because you always got the three for each person's quarter. Um, at the viewing party, when that happened, someone's like, Bumper's throwing. Um, I, <laughs> you know, Ready, Set, Pwn had commented that, you know, Bumper wants map four. Um like it was, it was weird, but thankfully again, they won two one, which meant the Titans were three and oh, and we then go into game four, which was route 66, which quite frankly had the shock won game three. I was not at all confident. The Titans could win route 66. Now they didn't. And that's only going to really matter for, for map differential. But what is it about route 66 
that just doesn't work for the Titans? It's mm, a good question. Maybe you should ask uh, Young Jin or, or the other coach. <laughs> like, what's the deal with that map? It was a close map, to be honest, uh, but they couldn't pull it off. Maybe a lot of teams are kind of finding it hard to furrow a, a team, especially a team in San Francisco Shock. And all maps were pretty close, but yeah, they lost the map there, unfortunately. Yeah. I didn't see it as a more like a Route 66 failure. I saw it as a Game 4 failure. Yeah. Uh, I think we noticed a similar thing when, when they played the Dragons, you know, eons ago. Um, in, in, in Map 4, they definitely, you know, let the little pedal off a little bit. And not, not to say that they goofed off, but definitely the urgency wasn't there. Um, the, the, the same team that was in King's Row was not the same team that was at Route 66. Mm-hmm. And they, they stepped off a little bit and the shock made them pay for it, unlike the Dragons. Fair enough. Uh, I believe that it was uh, going into map four. If it was 2-1, we would definitely want that map. Yeah. Well, regardless, sure, map differential does matter. The Titans, however, at the top of the table, top of the standings, however, which way you look at it, and they are currently undefeated 3-0, which leads us to talk about their next match, that being against the Los Angeles Valiant this upcoming Friday. Now, I've sort of mentioned this already in Discord, and this, again, has absolutely no real bearing on the fact that uh, the Titans are at the top and the Valiant not so much, being that they're 0-3. But I said that this sort of feels like it could be a trap. And it's not that I feel that the Titans aren't a better team. It's just, are the Valiant as bad as their record indicates? I don't think so. Uh, everything points to what you said. It might be a trap game. Honestly, uh, I think that the Titans are well aware of that too, and that's why I'm less worried, especially looking at the week that we have only this game to play. So I believe we'll be well, well prepared. And unfortunately for Valiant, I cannot see them uh, getting the win this week, this uh, upcoming week. And they're going to be the Valiant are going to be hungry, right? Like yeah. I think they like us think they're all better than that. Um, but I think it it dials down to, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Isa Yaki. Yeah. That man's been killer. And if, if you, you can get that early pick, um, I don't see, see much of a match, honestly speaking. Well, if you look at the Valiant though, I think it's safe to say that goats is the struggle. They're, they're a DPS squad. And could the Valiant to really shake things up, come out sort of like the the charge did get into the mind of the titans i mean i think if we look at what the the valiant faced this weekend in the titans and the charge i would say the valiant are probably looking and preparing at the titans as the match they'd want not to just not preparing for both but you know what you're getting get with vancouver Mm. right they're they're coming out with it with the goats straight up I don't see the Titans necessarily thinking that the Valiant might not try to match. I mean, I could be proven wrong as we saw this weekend when, when they started stitch, but I just, there's, I want to simply say the Titans are going to win. It's just this one scares me. Scares actually scares me more than like the GZ charge match did. And that was one that we saw the charge give them a run. And Sam, I think it's the Vancouver skeptic in you. Like, honestly, like you said, they're a DPS team. I think the charge have much better DPS than, 
oh, the valiant. I, I agree. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not <laughs> suggesting, but I think goats is where the valiant have struggled. They have yet to find six that can play goats effectively. But then when I start looking at, you know, map differential, for instance, while they're at the bottom of the league, oh, for three, their map differential is only dash three. So conceivably, they're actually losing close as opposed to, you know, you have the Dallas Fuel who are two and two and their map differential is dash four, <laughs> right? So yeah. I, I, I do wonder how the Titans approach this. Thankfully, it's the only match for the Titans this week. Yeah. So it's not like they should be distracted by, you know, any other potential opponent. I think being 3-0 up and the type of recognition they're getting, even though they're not uh, an OWL level uh, team, as fanboy triggering as that sounds, I think the Titans have this factor that they, yeah, the Valiant are hungry, but I think the Vancouver Titans are not less hungry than they are. I think they're aiming towards that 7-0 stage one statement entrance. Mm -hmm. Here we are in the league and we're here to uh, get that cup. That's that's the type of guys I see on our team. That's the kind of approach. It was uh, mentioned many times by Bumper himself, by Stitch, and I think they're they're going to approach every game as a must win. That does that does not mean that they're not going to give us a heart attack in every map against whatever <laughs> team we're going to play against. But I think they're gonna they're gonna win this game. Yeah, I'm really struggling because I I watched like a lot of you guys. I watched the Defiant Valiant game, and I spent the whole time just being mad, saying like, "When is this going to be over?" <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I'm trying to find positives here so we don't sound completely arrogant, but I just, I can't see a scenario where, where there's an upset, frankly speaking. So what does it go? Is it 4 0 make it back in time for, for uh, dessert on Friday night. Nice little date with the wife. Hmm. Uh, I think it's uh 3-1 just because we have uh, Nepal and Rialto and there's plenty of opportunity for Bumper to kind of slide off the map in those maps. <laughs> just go Winston, man. <laughs> well, okay. And I, I you bring this up. I much prefer Bumper as Ryan than I prefer as Winston. I find when he's Winston, he feeds. When he's Ryan, he's got he throws. even more mobility. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm conflicted. I, I prefer him as Ryan. Uh, I'm actually going to say 3-1. For all the doom and gloom, I still think the Titans win. I, I just, again, and maybe you, Sam, you mentioned I'm a skeptical Vancouver sports fan, and maybe it's mm-hmm. just this these decades of history that I have cheering on teams in Vancouver that have got me a little jaded. Yeah, to quote a uh, wolf who was on our, on our side, uh, Compared to the other analysts, I think Vancouver kind of looks scary now and almost a bit unbeatable. Yeah. Before we jump into the fray, one final thing I just wanted to touch on, and we've sort of alluded to the fact there are these viewing parties taking place, unofficial viewing parties. So, Ani, you and I were there at the uh, the Rally Club on Saturday. Uh, the back room was packed, uh, and I, you know, everyone was on the edge of their seat for those that could get seats because it was packed, and therefore you needed to get there early to make sure you got the best place. Um, on uh, Sunday. Uh, we yeah, we're out in the front room, like uh, we're out the big screen on the stage. Uh, again, just as just as energetic, smaller crowd, but again, it's a little Sunday afternoon. Everyone was a little still suffering from the sun, Saturday hangover, but I think Friday night will be busy. So, if you're going to come down to watch the uh, Titans play, uh, check it out. The Railway Club. I'm going to be there. Omni, you'll be there. Yep. Sam, we going to drag you out? Probably not. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see. That's okay. It's just, just about, val- it's just the valiant. I'm, I'm that confident guys. Just, um, I think I might just watch this on the VOD or just read the Viandor post game. But uh, yeah, join us at Ready Set Pwn at the Railway Club this Friday to watch your Titans take on the LA Valiant. So we're just going to take a quick break before we jump into the fray. lot of matches and you know after the first week we were like oh let's talk about it all we decided we don't want to talk about it all so we sort of shook things up and what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the owl weekend in a match of the day format where we go and we pick uh, a match maybe two if there's something special that you know really resonated with us uh, and in turn you know share those results um, see what each of us thought now as far as match of the day goes, I'm just going to quickly run through the results because, again, there might be some of you who did not watch Overwatch League at all. And for that, I issue you so much shame. But we had the uh, London Spitfire beat the Washington Justice through a reverse sweep 3 2. We had the Florida Mayhem beat the Philadelphia Fusion 2 1. The Dallas Fuel lost to the Guangzhou Charge 4 Buzz. And the uh, Seoul Dynasty beat the Chengdu Hunters uh, 4-0. Now, uh, any of those matches stand out for you? Omni, you had actually mentioned to me a little bit earlier, uh, you were interested in the fact that the fusion went down to the mayhem. Yeah, it was pretty high going into the season uh, for the fusion. But like last year, you have the good fusion that can beat anyone. And when they go bad fusion, oh, they're so bad. Losing to the mayhem, it's... There's no excuse for that. Poor performance there on, on Nepal where they kind of rolled the team and then they lost that map. And it feel, felt like they got tilted out of their minds and couldn't like return against that map, against that team. Yeah. They're also missing Boombox big time, right? Right, right. It felt discombobulated and comms were not going well. Yeah, it was weird. It, it's it's funny, like the power rankings and how, how this team, beha- how this league currently <laughs> stands. Like if you're not NYXL or Vancouver Titans or Paris Eternal, and it's a small sample size, but basically anyone can beat anyone. Anyone yeah, can beat parody. anyone. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty impressive how they've reached this uh, parody so fast. And I think it just speaks volumes to how, how people, you know, get better so fast. And there's a, as we now know, there's not as big a difference between contenders and and owl as one might think. Hmm. Lastly, looking at Philly, before we go on, uh, even looking at the games that they did win, uh, a lot of it is Carpe. So he's doing his best and carrying that team. But unfortunately in this meta, it's not as easy as it might've been last season. Moving on to the Friday, we had the Toronto Defiant, our northern cousins, lose 3-1 to the Atlanta Reign. The New York Excelsior beat the LA Valiant 3-2. The Shanghai Dragons boys beat the Boston Uprising 3-1. And in the match that people watched but were still going crazy about the third one over was the fact that the Houston Outlaws beat the Hangzhou Spark 3-1. Now, 
the, I think it's fair to say the one that stands out for us the most is the fact the uprising lost to the dragons. Hmm. <laughs> memes, that was trending worldwide or something. Yeah, it was. States. So memes aside, I think we need to give props to the Overwatch League as a league, and and to it's just a testament to how powerful these brands or franchises have become. Because essentially, it's a different team, right? But still, mm-hmm. that shadow of that zero and forty season, and people were crying in the stands. So props on creating those franchises that are so big that even if the, the roster changes entirely it still keeps this core like awareness or or uh identity that the team has throughout the season so major props there and uh good win yeah the uh the crying part actually is the one that, that really resonated most with me is because you had fans of other teams crying <laughs> over the fact that the dragons won and we're not cr- like saying crying because they were sad. Oh my God. They were like genuinely and emotionally invested in the dragons. Finally breaking the streak. They witnessed history. You know, I, I don't know which breaking of a streak is more popular. The dragons beating the Boston uprising or Brock Lesnar breaking the undertaker streak at WrestleMania. I, I don't know which is better. And again, I've, I'm dropping references that some people are probably like, what? I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. What's this fake wrestling thing? Mm, I don't, fine, fine, fine. Be that way. I'm muscles. Old. I mean, I know both wrestlers, so that's a thing. But, but <laughs> Other than that. Other than that, I'm out. The, but, uh, but yeah, like one thing about the the fans that I've always wondered, and, and for those of you that are listening, give give me a tweet on what the real answer is. Because I noticed that, you know, in between games, I've given them a lot of credit for, you know, swapping the old team out, bringing the new team in in about basically 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Do... Do the fans also just switch seats? Because like you notice at the front of every game are like if the New York are playing, it'll be the New York fans in the front row. And then like 15 minutes later, it'll be like the Atlanta Reigns front row and they'll be wearing the Atlanta Reigns jerseys. It's like, how do they swap people out? Like the whole crowd. Come on. Quickly... No, no, no. Front, front rows are paid actors and they just switch jerseys <laughs> matches. Don't tell Hannah that. <laughs> well, you, you, we, that's a good question. If you're listening to this episode and you have gone down to LA and you've watched live, yeah, tweet us. Tweet another Sam Chan or Ready Set Pwn Light Force Omni Strike. Let us know. Like, how does that work? Because Sam, you raise a good point. There's always, you know, a sort of a mix of people. Or is it that it's the same people just jersey swapping? Because they just su- wear eight jerseys. Yeah, and they, you know, they they support a number of different things. I don't know. But uh moving right along. On the Saturday, we had the Paris Eternal beat the Los Angeles Gladiators 2-1. The Dallas Fuel beat the Fusion 3-1. We already talked about the fact the Titans beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-2. And we had the Chengdu Hunters beat the Florida Mayhem 3-2. Which one of those four matches outside of the obvious one stands out? Uh, Hate to pick on the Fusion again, but uh, Fusion versus AKM. 4-0. Or it's three one. But three one. Oh, close right. enough. But it felt like a it, it felt it felt like a four zero, and it, it was kind of like were these the same fusion that uh, were in the grand finals. I thought if you went to the grand yeah. finals, I thought you know. It's very funny to see uh, a player from Rogue carrying uh, an envious team so hard. Acam is playing great. Nothing else to add to it. No. Well. No. Well, he outplayed Carpe, and I mean, how many times have we ever said that? Yeah. Period, right? Exactly. So, 
Did, so you got to give your hats off to him. Was, he got his confidence back too. Was there was there anything said in the post uh, match interview that maybe stood out? Oh yeah, it was <laughs> lots of uh, Canadian shots were fired from Jade in the direction of the fusion. Yeah. There was a lot of banter going on. He kind of said, "Well, you can't be mad if it's the truth," and yeah. the crowd was going Ooh, bonkers. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but later he kind of like uh, went back to his professional self and gave props to the Philly and how great they are and all that. But we'll, we'll see. There, yeah. There's a rivalry there. That's great. And I and I, I think this goes to sort of propagate that when people see Canadians, there's this perception that we are the <laughs> nicest people in the world. Canadians are nice, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not always rude. We can be. It's just we're very polite when we are so instead of telling you to get bent we might say please get yourself bent thank you yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're polite about it um and our final kindly bent? yeah please please get yourself kindly bent our our last uh group of matches on the sunday we had the spitfire beat the spark 3-1 we had the excelsior roll all over the houston outlaws for buzz our friends in the North Toronto Defiant beat the Valiant two to one and your Vancouver Titans wrapped up that week by taking the San Francisco shock three one, as we already discussed uh, the match that actually I found most exciting of those was actually the Defiant Valiant match. I mean, it did seem like it was going to go forever, but that is not the word I would have used, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay. I, people ask me, it's on, it happens every weekend on Twitter when people start seeing me when the Taviant are playing, tweeting from Ready Set Pwn, sort of saying, hey, you know, good luck, Toronto. People are like, oh, you live in Vancouver. How the heck can you support Toronto? In a regular circumstance. Agreed. I would struggle with supporting <laughs> Toronto. However, as I've said many times, I have a very, very warm spot in my heart for both the Toronto Defiant and the overactive media because both of those organizations engaged with me on social media. And hey, I, I gotta, you know me, I reward social media engagement. So I'm just gonna say. Sam, Sam it feels like we have a Trojan horse in here. Yeah, like you can't, you guys can't see this, but we are both shaking our heads miserably. <laughs> just completely. And I, and I mean, like, I, I would say I have a fair level of hate towards Toronto uh sports and teams but honestly the the, the fighter just pissing me off man <laughs> every game goes long every fight goes long when you think they're out of it they come back in when you think they're just gonna crush they they lose it's like i can't imagine being a defiant fan because it's so frustrating Wait, when are they playing uh vancouver that game's like, not gonna be long it's like april <laughs> it's gonna be a short game mm-hmm. And and if and like I like I've been mentioning, it feels like if if we're looking at overall owl perspective, Vancouver Titans always have to hurry things up because the Defiant took too long. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Sam. <laughs> I'm just mad because I had to watch that game for like forever, and I was I was ready to go, and it was on my like iPad. My my wife was watching This Is Us and all that stuff, and and I, This Is Us was more interesting than the Defiant game. I'll leave it at that. Wow, shots have been fired. Um, before we get into the preview of this upcoming week, I did want to just quickly touch on two-way contracts. Not really two-way. And what that actually uh, alludes to is the fact that you had Fusions, who is on a two-way contract, be ruled ineligible because he had already played for contenders in sort of this stage and had played 
two matches uh, with the uh, the Owl Club, and therefore is now ineligible. Like I, I don't get that, and I, I got into it a little bit with uh, a few people in the official Titans Discord because you know people are like, oh, it's known that this is the case. Now I I will be the first one to admit that you see this in professional sports where leagues iterate on the rules based on circumstances. We saw the Canadian Football League do that this season in the playoffs. We've seen the NHL iterate uh, mid season. We've seen Major League Baseball do it. Heck. Their all-star game was ruled a tie when there are no ties in baseball because they had to iterate in the rules. And even the NFL, probably the granddaddy when it comes to sports, iterated on the rules as they went into the Super Bowl based on the events of the week before. So I get that. That happens. But what worries me about the Overwatch League is as it tries to find its place amongst all of these other traditional sports leagues, it's already an uphill battle. And when you have what I would define as rules written on the back of a napkin getting in the way, that's problematic. I think it would be upon the Overwatch League to be more transparent about these rules. I'm not suggesting all the contracts are published. Just simply have the rules as to, you know, player movement, transactions, what makes them eligible or not. I think Boston has all those rules um, given to them before the season starts. I I honestly agree with you in some capacity, but I, I have no qualms with the Overwatch League setting up the system as it is right now. If you want the guy to play in Overwatch League, fine, sign him to Overwatch League contract because that contract will probably be a bigger one, and I think he deserves it. So I get it what they're trying to do with the money ball approach, but, well, you can't have a player uh, getting paid or treated benefits wise like he's a tier two player but oh he's good enough to play in tier one so let's let have him play so fine sign him to a contract that's where i'm at were they also maybe worried that there were owl caliber players somehow being sneaked into contenders and kind of boosting those teams well i'm not sure if there was yeah and and maybe and the rule actually that was published was once a player played two owl matches they were no longer eligible for contenders so so that part I completely agree with. I don't feel once you're out caliber in my mind, you don't go back down. Like I, I feel that there's, there's a very strong case for that. I still struggle to comprehend why playing in, in contenders would then prevent you from playing owl. And Omni, you do raise a good point. If you want to play owl, give them an owl contract. None of this two way stuff, but the overwatch league used a term that is very apparent in traditional sports, the two way contract, mm-hmm. but they've not actually used its well-known application. And where my problem exists is that what Owl needs to survive is to embrace that casual sports fan. Because the casual sports fans are the ones that are going to push them into perpetuity. When you have, quote-unquote, rule written on the back of the napkin, or the occurrence or appearance that that's the case, that's when I think they do themselves a disservice because they, again, are fighting that uphill battle. They're fighting the fact that people, oh man, esports, they're not sports. They're not athletes. And unfortunately, when you start having stuff like this happen, the people who may not have that strong opinion about esports, like, oh, you know, these guys that <laughs> flag on it might be right. Yeah, I kind of I kind of go both ways on this. I think on one sense, yeah, they do want to approach the the casual sports fan and the traditional sports fan, and I think for the most part, all of us kind of are in this hybrid mode. But at the same time, I, there's there's a little part of me that says, "Screw it! Ten year olds are watching esports. They're going to be twenty one day. They're going to be the ones with the pockets. Wait them out." 
Um, and so for a lot of people who don't, you know, kind of believe and aren't bullish on esports, it is, it is what it is. A lot of people weren't bullish on Facebook either, but we all see your nannies and your kids on there now. Well, man, um, if, if you weren't poking people on Facebook when it launched back in the day, you weren't anyone. Yep. And then just, just to draw it back to fusions, um, I guess, I guess as we're listening right now, we're still trying to get the details or as, I mean, as a recording, but by the time you guys are listening, you know, tomorrow or whenever this gets posted, uh, fusions has been approved to play this week. Uh, that was confirmed by Hawk of, uh, the uprising, but I'm not sure what the workaround or the rule change was it. That's not, that's not public yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I think you, the point you raised the 10 year olds today, they don't care what type of contract stuff is going on to them. Oh my goodness. Fusions didn't play. Did you see that fusions didn't play? Oh my goodness. Fusions didn't play. Oh my gosh. Boston rip like that. That's, that's their take. I'm just, I'm old. <laughs> I maybe overanalyze the situation far too much as you've probably already noticed. And therefore I uh, zoned in on this. No, but it was a huge loss and now they're on the wrong side of history, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of the wrong side of history, uh, are the Philadelphia fusion going to lose to the Washington justice this week? Oh my God. Because on Thursday, we've got the fusion versus the justice, the uprising versus the dynasty, the mayhem versus the charge and the shock versus the spark. I, I look at that and I'm like, you know, I'm wondering if the justice finally get a win. They shouldn't. I bet against Boston last week. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Washington. No, that, that will not be. A winning match for Washington. If if it is, then I'm I'm not really sure what's going on there with Philadelphia. Oh, sorry, it was Philly. No, uh, was, is Boombox back this week? Do you, do you quasi fusion fan know? Mm, not really. No. And and that that was the other thing. Back to I guess back to fusions for just a second is Elk would have also been un- ineligible to play, but I'm guessing they're they're going to fix that. Right. Yeah, if if uh, fusions is well, sorry for the confusion. Now I'm talking about uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I screwed you up. Tang fusions. If he's gonna play against Soul Dynasty, that's a game I'm looking forward to most of all on that Thursday. Soul has been playing um, stats wise and performance wise way better than their uh, really small sample size of a record so it might suggest. So I see them uh, going upwards. Anyway. You might even say they're number two. <laughs> wait why would you demote the nyxl to number three see what uh, i did there yeah 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 you got you got you guys got to check the last episodes for the inside jokes we're not going to stop on friday we've got the gladiators versus the spitfire we got the deviant versus the excelsior we got the titans beating the los angeles valiant as we've already suggested man we've already said that like if you've gotten to this part of the episode that's a spoiler alert man (laughs) and then uh the last match on friday night the dragons versus the hunters and as the defiant are playing and they run long according to sam uh that might be the first match on saturday as well depending on uh, the clock maybe but uh i look at friday i mean we've already talked about the titans and valiant uh omni which of those matches there stands out to you the most uh glads versus uh spitfire two teams that i'm not really sure mm-hmm. about they look fine in some games and they never like impressed me too much i think that'll be a good test to their uh current situation so it's gonna be a tight game i think it's gonna be a good game to watch why do the defiant always play before vancouver <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they're located out east, and the Overwatch League was intelligent in scheduling by making sure the earlier game was for the eastern time zone, and the later game, the Vancouver Titans gotta, are out I, I gotta ask my homie that. <laughs> I'm so tired of seeing Defiant Games, but I am looking forward to this one because I believe it will be a faster one. Ooh. On Saturday, we've got the Paris Eternal versus the Atlanta Frame, the Florida Man versus the Houston Outlaws, San Francisco Shock versus the Washington Justice, and the Shanghai Dragons versus the Dallas Fuel. Any of those uh, stand out as a must-watch? The first one, I believe, no. Well, Eternal versus Rain. I, I Okay, now I would suggest that that's a must-watch. Do we see the Rain beating the Eternal? Uh, Paris... One, two games, right? Not three. Yep. They've shown great aptitude in playing goats, but they're like, mm, I think they're kind of lower than NYXL and Vancouver right now because both of these teams they kind of have like also the mechanics down and the goats meta down. But Paris kind of feels like it, it just goes as well as goats will go. And Atlanta, Atlanta is kind of weird. Sorry, I'm just Atlanta thinking out loud. Right? Here. <laughs> <laughs> I think Atlanta has a chance. I'd go Atlanta 3-2. Right. Um, for some reason, and I guess it's it's because the teams from Paris, they do remind me a lot of like the rogue teams and and France teams, frankly speaking. Not and and they're not they're not all French players. It's just they they're always gonna be around, they're always gonna be a good team, and then they'll just shock you by disappointing at some point in time. And you know, the rain are really good, so they could take it. I'll, I'll say three, two. It'll be super interesting to see who uh, out Zarya is uh, between uh, soon and Defran. <laughs> well, Defran's going to run Torb all five maps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sunday, we've got the Boston Uprising versus Toronto Defiant, the Spark versus the Gladiators, the Valiant versus the Charge, Excelsior versus the Dynasty. So that day is just going to run long because the Defiant get the first match. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'll catch you at the slow game at midnight. I if there's if there's one match that I'm interested in, it's the Spark Gladiators because I want to see the poster the Spark create. Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. Right. If okay, and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you need to follow the Hangzhou Spark on Twitter. They create a poster, both a pre-match and a post-match poster of the of who they're playing. It's some good work. Like I I, I would frame them. I wouldn't frame all of them. But I'm gonna frame. I'm gonna print and frame the. The Spark Titans uh, posters. You know, screenshot that. <laughs> I'm not going to screenshot it. <laughs> Search it. Come over. Yeah. Visit. They're really, really good. Also, Chengdu kind of does that. There's a dude that does that for Titans occasionally. I think his name is Omnistrife. On, on, on I, I've heard this Omnistrife guy. I know. <laughs> yeah, he has a Twitch account. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. real scrub, but let me tell you, he does some occasionally okay work. <laughs> How does he have so much free time? Is my question. Well, doesn't have a kid like I have. It's not a. It's not free time. <laughs> well, I'm not paying you, so who know who is? The other thing that we should probably talk about, being that this is the fray and it's about everything Overwatch League and Overwatch related, is the fact that a new hero was released today, uh, which I think caught pretty much everyone off guard. Like we've been learning a little bit about this new hero from last week into this week, and we were going to originally talk about, oh, what do you think it is? His name's Baptiste. He's on the PTR. Go check him out. We talked a little bit about this in Discord, but I'm just going to run through uh, what the PTR notes say. Baptiste is a battle-hardened combat medic who wields an assortment of experimental devices and weaponry to keep allies alive and eliminate his enemies. 
Baptiste's biotic launcher fires a three-round burst that rewards accuracy and recoil control with significant damage output. His alternate fire lobs grenades that heal allies near the point of impact. With regenerative burst, Baptiste activates an intense surge that heals himself and nearby allies over time. When danger is near, Baptiste can toss out his immortality field to prevent allies from dying. Baptiste Ooh. moves around the battlefield with exo boots, jumping over obstacles and clearing distances that would stop other heroes. But see, we're not done because Baptiste deploys his amplification matrix as his ultimate, which doubles the damage and healing effects of friendly projectiles. Now, on you and I were talking about this before we hit record. This hero seems to have like 400 abilities, one of which could be an alt, but that's not a salt piece to get a gotten alt. And in listening to people chat on the official uh, Discord, in our Discord, it's I would suggest that Baptiste is like an unknown quantity. Now, I haven't had an opportunity to see him on the PTR in the hands of professionals. I haven't had a chance to get a feel. But is this the goats buster or is this the goats builder oh i'm i'm very concerned with this character like you said feels like there's a bunch of abilities there from two or three characters plastered to this one uh hero and the problem with goats even though people like to hate on it it's it's boring whatever the biggest two problems with goats now is that people don't see dps play and everything like nothing dies and I don't see how his abilities uh, hurt that. They only make it stronger, in my opinion. Uh, AoE healing, again, area of effect healing, and invincibility. Oh, my God. I can only like imagine it now cycling through the Lucio um, alt and transcendence and suddenly has that um, invincibility uh, cycle. And that's even not an alt. It's, it's really strange. He looks like a great character, really fun to play, but it feels like he's the right hero at the wrongest of times. <laughs> well, I'm trying to imagine it the other way around with with Baptiste's ultimate, and then you have like the Arissa alt at the same time, and you add a Discord barb on that. Like, could we kill? Could we one shot a uh, Roadhog? Uh, the Widow would definitely be able to do that. <laughs> It's it's interesting because you said it's correct. He has another uh, facet to him or side to him that I really like. That alt of his is really great to uh, to uh, boosting all those uh, DPS heroes. And we're going to talk a little bit about the other notes of the patch that look to be uh, very in line of, of the developer's um, crusade against goats now. And somebody mentioned, I, I can't remember where it was, probably on Reddit, but it feels like there will be another meta coming up. It'll be probably situational and dependent on the map, but we're going to see a lot of cheesy bunker compositions where you will see probably an Orissa and a Bastion mm-hmm. and, and, and Baptiste, and they're going to just rain hell on every choke uh, on defense. I'm very scared on in the silver rankings. Oh, it'll, it's going to be awful in solo queue. Awful, awful, awful. If it remains the same way. It's brutal. Almost ever. I played like five games today. Every single one had Reaper and Bastion. So I, and play, I yeah, and Baptiste is going to just make it even worse. I played him a little bit on PTR. He's very easy to uh, be productive with, even if you don't know his kit that well. You know, those heroes who just pick up and like, oh, I'm doing stuff. I'm getting uh, a lot of healing out. I'm get- so he he has a lot of utility. He jumps around. He has that healing uh, 
grenade launcher. He has that area of effect, which I feel like needs to go, really. I, I don't see why it has so much impact on the game right now. Uh, probably overreactionary here, uh, knee-jerky reactions initially. Uh, and another note, do yourselves a favor, go on YouTube, look for Jonak playing Screams of Bat- Baptiste. That is scary stuff. It's going to keep me up at night. Yeah, but it, but I mean, I mean it, that aside in terms of the Overwatch League and all that stuff, I think it could make things even tighter with less limbs, like you mentioned, Omni. But I think it is it could be a very fun character to yeah. just play, <laughs> right? Like I, I think it's got a little bit of everything. It looks, you know, the shooting style is a little bit like Soldier, which you know, for for you know, porting from Call of Duty or other shooters, like it's easier for someone to kind of as an entry point get in. Right. And, and get used to the game. At the same time, it can provide healing. It can it can do a little bit of everything, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, Owl-wise, you know, sorry, just I'll finish up with this. Owl-wise, I don't see goats going away anytime soon because right now you're not p- penalized for having three healers. And I honestly don't see... You could run him with another healer, just like like a duo healer uh, meta, but I think it'll be even better with running him with Lucio and Zen or, or uh, Zen and Brig or Lucio and Brig. I don't see why you wouldn't have three healers, yeah. including Baptiste right now. Yeah, about the only reason he might be able to bust goats is the alt. But then yeah. if you have a, a matched pick, that other uh, Baptiste is going to drop his immortality field. <laughs> it's so weird to even say that out loud. I feel dirty just by saying immortality field. Well, it's essentially it's like you're invincible so long as that thing is up and there's no amount of damage that can kill you. How, like, how long is the thing up for? Uh, Until it sh- gets shot down? Or? It's really easy to shot, shoot down because it's uh, it's floating and yeah. stationary and it has like 250 HP. Okay. But if you have like shield or something like that, uh, that will probably be your priority target coming into any fight. Yeah. It must be. Yeah. Not going over yeah. the rest of the uh, PTR notes, though, because you can read them on your own. Uh, Omni, you had alluded to the fact there are some changes to uh, DPS. So the first one that I want to talk about is McCree. Now, fan the hammer, damage is being reduced from 55 to 50, which for uh, many who have seen how fan the hammer is essentially how that character can be played, uh, would be happy about that. But what I think is really key is Deadeye. That damage per second is being increased from 275 to 550 after locking Ooh. onto targets for 2.5 seconds. Holy hell. And That's an inst- insta-kill. insta-kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how's it going to like the immortality field? <laughs> and put that Baptiste ult as <laughs> well in front of him? Jeez. So I, I, I think that that introduces the possibility we see a McCree situationally um, but you know, in, in the current meta, maybe not as much. Uh, we also saw the, uh, difference in soldiers. So soldiers, uh, rifle damage will be increased from 19 to 20. Uh, the delay in which you can fire after using sprints reducing by 0.2 of a second. Underrated buffs. Right. And then tactical visor can now target rip tire and the immortality field, mm-hmm. which I- I'll be very honest. I don't think I've ever noticed that tactical visor didn't target rip tire because if I saw one, I always targeted it manually. So I may never have actually noticed that uh, it wouldn't. <laughs> it's weird. I think I noticed that when I played Junkenstein's revenge and it, and it does target it in that mode. And then I went to like a uh, competitive or quick play and it didn't I'm like, Oh yeah. Why, why is it not working? And yeah, now it's going to do that. <laughs> uh, the somber hack, 
you can hack health packs quicker. Eh. Uh, Torb, his base health is going up, but his overlord armor is going down. Uh, so Defran, you know, get used to that. Uh, Widowmaker, Infrasight, uh, now reveals enemy health bars. That's pretty cool. But if you dome that widow, her alt's canceled. Hmm. Anyhow. And uh, last one, the one thing I found kind of interesting is with Wrecking Ball. His adaptive shield no longer cancels roll mode. Now, I don't play a lot of Wrecking Ball, so I didn't notice this. But uh, this, I think, just makes Wrecking Ball a little more practical in so much as you can go ball and then hit your shield around. And it doesn't cause you to pop out with the and, and lose no, your gonna ability. Spin around the point forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shield's on, right? Yeah. Speak, speaking of Wrecking Ball, you think we can see... Uh, a quad healer or quad support with wrecking ball instead of quad DPS. Uh, at this point, I'm sure we can see anything. <laughs> so you would run a Lucio, a Zen, a Brig and a Baptiste. And Baptiste. Yep. Ugh. <laughs> so what, what, whoever, whoever runs that meta and is successful with it, then we name it after it and so on and so forth. Tang, Tang we, we can call it the RSP right now. Right? Like, let's just label okay. it. Well, hey, if you start running the RSP in your uh, your groups, let us know. Send us screenshots. We want to you know publish that stuff. But as we look to wrap up this episode, and as we do with each and every review we receive, we read them verbatim. That's right. The easiest way to get showcased on Ready, Set, Pwn is to write us a review. And we did get one. Uh, in over iTunes. So this review comes from Ride On Vegas via the uh, Apple iTunes store from the United States of America. It titled, Who Watches the Overwatchers? Well, we got five out of five stars, which is also important. Now, what was the review? This podcast is great, entertaining, and great to keep updated with this new sport. Awesome job, Chris. Worth a listen which is a whole lot better than that 5M guy left last week. <laughs> yeah, but that got you good quotes. That's true. It did. And I had to go and I actually, you know, use that clip at the start of the episode. I wear pink shorts. And now you can use it again. Yeah. And while this is not a review, it's not a review. It, I think establishes the credibility that ready, set pone has in this market. Now, you may have noticed that early on in our uh, podcast career, at least as it pertains to Ready Sapone, we used to go and talk on a regular basis about the Vancouver Titans social media vacuum that it exists. We had said, what's going on? The org not saying anything. Well, I think it's safe to say they figured things out since the first match. They have now started to produce content. They're engaging with fans. They're, you know, constantly uh, active. But there was one particular tweet that I had wanted to call attention to. And you see, at Ready, Set, Pwn here, I go out of my way to try to look at any level of engagement and any questions that people have about the Ready, uh, about the Vancouver Titans, but also Ready, Set, Pwn, obviously. And I try to engage with them. Well, the Vancouver Titans recognize that because in response to a reply that I sent to a, a what I hope is an avid listener of the podcast, I'd help them out. And I can't even remember what that was. The Vancouver Titans replied, Ready, Set, Pwn, always have your back. That's straight for the Vancouver Titans. How cool is that? My eyes are getting watery now. Like, yeah, now we can put now we can put that uh, overactive media stuff behind us. Oh, so so now I no longer have a soft spot for overactive media because it's all in on the Vancouver Titans. Is that what you're trying to say? 
Absolutely. Double down. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, as we wrap this episode up, gentlemen, any final words of wisdom you wish to share to our, our listeners? So kids, remember, if somebody flames you in your competitive games for charging off the map, just tell them you learned it from the best Ryan in the world. <laughs> Sam? Two words, 4-0. I see what you did there. As for me, I do hope to see you out Friday at the Railway Club. Again, it is a 19-plus event, and I know there are many of you that are not yet of age and cannot come. So I can assure you that uh, there are a number of people looking to create events that are uh, at least more conducive to all ages. Uh, and I will do my best to have us from Ready, Set, Pwn out to support them. And as well, if you're listening to this podcast in some other locale, not in Vancouver, you're like, man, I want to have, you know, a viewing party, a watch party. All it takes is one person to get it set up, find some friends, find a venue, get together, watch a little Overwatch. If you got your house and you want to invite some friends over, that's a viewing party in my books. Just let me know. Um, I'll do my best to, to boost that signal, share with the world if you would like me to. Because again, I mean, you don't want people coming over to your house. Maybe you don't want me <laughs> tweeting it. But uh, I do also want to uh, acknowledge a little love we got from south of the border of another podcast, uh, The Joystick Club. You may have seen it was Mutual Admiration Society on Twitter this weekend. Um, I actually enjoy listening to them. Uh, they talk a little bit about uh, the Overwatch League. They do talk about the Vancouver Titans. Um, please uh, tune in, give them a listen, uh, drop them a follow on Twitter, tell them Ready, Set, Pwn sent you. I get nothing for that but I really like the podcast. I really like uh, their flow. And maybe, you know what? Maybe we get a collab going on. Wouldn't that be cool? But mm. enough of all that. This episode is over. It's in the can. We'll be back next week. We'll see you on Twitter. We'll see you throughout all the social channels that we are on Facebook. We're on readysetpone.com. And if you ever want to drop us an email, because that's the only way you know how to communicate, it's feedback at readysetpone.com. So on behalf of OmniStrife, uh, or Omni at OmniStrife, Sam and another Sam channel, myself, Chris at Lightforce, I got two words, hatchrays.